A coffee in the accursed mountains. So this is the fourth of our podcasts, sharing the stories of life and culture from the countries bordered by the accursed mountains. And today we're crossing the mountains for the first time into Montenegro. Uh, The name Montenegro meaning Black Mountain. In fact, it's interesting that in English, uh, we don't use our own words for Black Mountain in the name. The Italians do, the Albanians who call it Malizi do, and the people of Montenegro do in their own language, Surna Gora. And that I think gives us our word of the day, the word for mountain, Mountains. which in Albanian is Mali, just as when we had uh, Mountain Tea, which was Chai Mali. And Montenegrin is Gora. And it is an extraordinarily mountainous country. There's a wonderful um, table-sized relief map of the country, which you can see if you go to Tsetinje, where in fact we will be going as part of today's story, uh, which just shows this country that is made up entirely of lumps and bumps, with just a few mountain plateaus where it's possible to build a town and a very, very narrow coastal strip uh, that runs along the stunning waters of the um, Montenegrin coastline. It's a kind of papier-mâché modelist's dream, that table, isn't it? And I love how when you drive through any of Montenegro, you are winding through this endless, uh, rather beautiful limestone mountain landscape. And each of the endless winds in the road this surrounds a tiny kind of pond-sized circle of flat fertility where someone's growing vegetables or vines. It also makes it a very unlikely place to have a functioning railway system, Um, although it does have a railway system. But it does make me laugh that the most recent version of Casino Royale um, is actually set in Montenegro and uh, on a train. And I think even for Bond, uh, a seduction on a train probably uh, would take longer than you would have time for on that kind of landscape. There's a clip in the film of, of this train steaming over this beautiful plain with the usual kind of implied metaphor for uh, steam trains thrusting through landscapes after Bond's been chatting up the lady. And there is not that much flat space in the whole of Montenegro, uh, as is shown in that one uh, five-second segment, I think. And I think it was filmed in Slovenia. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to explore one very particular individual story of an extraordinary woman uh, from more than a century ago. We um, went to visit the Royal Palace in Setinje, uh, which is now a museum. It's a a fabulous palace, um, which must have seemed even more extraordinary in its time, um, because at a time when Montenegro was having to create um, an image for itself, almost a a brand for itself, um, it was um, the newest of of Europe's countries. Um, It was only formed in 1878 after the Treaty of Berlin. And its king, Nicola, um, created this capital up in the Kvast, in a town which in the 1860 census only had 34 families living in it. So this tiny um, hamlet, which was then um, built up as the the new capital. And he built his new palace there, which he filled with, um, on the one hand, uh, Beaux-Arts decorations, 
and on the other with plenty of medieval reminders of this rugged people that he was proud to lead. And in one of the bedrooms that suffers the same kind of identity crisis, on the one hand very austere, and on the other hand everything inlaid with mother of pearl, we saw the uh, two items that had belonged to the princess, uh, one of King Nicola's many daughters. On the top shelf of her uh, bedside table was a typewriter, and on the next shelf was a camera. And those seemed interesting alongside this single narrow bed. And that little vignette sums up the life of Princess Xenia, uh, King Nicola's daughter, who slept in a single bed and never married, and instead created a role for herself as his secretary and as a photographer who travelled around her country, taking some really stunning images to show to showcase her people and her land. Setini is still an extraordinary place to visit because it combines this sense of history and the echoes of this extraordinary romantic 19th century, uh, almost stereotypical Ruritanian charm with a kind of small version of Tunbridge Wells <laughs> kind of a style and I love the fact that this tiny, tiny town, which became, uh, as well as Europe's newest capital city, by a long way its smallest, because it became a capital city in a corner of Europe that was, of course, critical for, for the balance of power uh, among the, the great states of the continent. It attracted diplomats from all over Europe, and still today you can see the uh, the building where the British envoy lived and the French envoy and the Russian envoy. And so this became a diplomatic centre in microcosm. And I love that additional layer of charm to it. At the centre of this hub of activity was the king. And he um, found every way possible to um, position his tiny country somehow in the hearts and minds and plans of the great powers. And one of the ways he did that was through his daughters. Uh, his nickname was the father-in-law of Europe. And sure enough, he married off one daughter to Vittorio Emmanuel in Italy. He married off another to a Battenberg. In fact, it was one of his... Um, daughters who was married to the Romanovs, who introduced Rasputin to the court in St. Petersburg. So, gosh, history could have been quite different if it hadn't been for, for that particular marriage. Uh, another daughter was married to the uh, brother of the King of Bulgaria. Um, he had links with the House of Serbia. So, he was very strategically matching up his daughters to the, um, the powers that he needed to have alliances with. And Xenia, was next on the list. He was an extraordinary man, and the the paintings and photos of him capture, I think, the 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 piratical swagger of the man. He was successful reinforcing Montenegro first of all in battle. Then he was successful through diplomacy, building relationships with with Russia and with Serbia and with others. And then finally 
through through this extraordinary policy of marriage. Alexander of Serbia came to ask for Xenia's hand in marriage. And this is how it was uh, written up in a newspaper of the time. The poor princess was told to make ready to meet her future lord and master. In he shambled, grinning, blinking through his heavy glasses, knock-kneed and most unattractive. The princess gave him one glance and shuddered. Mon Dieu, she cried in French, mais vous êtes impossible. Or in polite English, she frankly told Alexander that he was impossible. It was the cry of an innocent, unspoiled young girl. The prince was not at all rebuffed and attempted to mumble some protest that perhaps fatigue and nervousness had overcome Her Royal Highness. Xenia gasped once more, and then she fled from the room. The royal romance had died before it was born. And Xenia never accepted that or any other offer of marriage. And I think at that point realised that she needed to find some other way, perhaps for herself, perhaps for her father, to um, prove her usefulness to the project and to the country. Um, and so I went to Setinia to find this wonderful um, archive of photographs that she has left us. Um, she travelled around the country taking images some of them are perhaps what you might expect a princess to, to snapshot um, royal garden parties and tennis tournaments. Um, but an enormous number of them are of ordinary people um, doing their jobs, fishermen, uh, the teachers. Um, there's a great picture when she went to see the army. There are a few pictures of um great uh, parades and then a picture of the army cook um, over this enormous cauldron steaming in the outside as he stirs up the, the dinner for the troops. And I think that must have been really shocking. I think if you even imagine today what it would be like if one of our princesses started taking photographs around the country of working men at work up close, I think there would be quite a feeling of uh, discomfort. There were only 34 families. It would be hard to preserve your uh, snooty reserve as the royal family. One of the ways that the royal family did preserve their, their reserve, um, as recorded by William Lecoeur, who was a, a British traveller at the time, was that Nicola um, made it a rule that um, everybody had to wear traditional Montenegrin dress. Again, I think part of his sort of um, echoing back to the great medieval triumphs of his people, except for the court. So you had everyone else wearing these coarse, uh, homespun, um, traditional uh, long jackets and robes and belts. And then you had Xenia and her sisters and the other members of the court in imported Parisian lace. And I just think that must have given them such a sense of, um, of otherness. And, and it must have, for the foreign visitors, reinforced the sense of Tetinia as this peculiar kind of picture postcard remnant of, of another time with everyone wandering around in, in smocks and pitchforks and whatnot. Uh, 
There's some, some great pictures, actually. Um, in fact, look, I'll show you some of the pictures here. Um, one of the ones I find really interesting is of Xenia's mother, the um, the queen. Um, and there's one picture of her where she's wearing a traditional zubun, uh, kind of sleeveless woolen house coat, which is a traditional garment. So even though she had the right to be wearing the Parisian fashions. She's wearing this um, homespun. And then another picture, and it's impossible to tell whether they were taken the same day, um, but it looks like she's wearing everything else the same. She's put on this little fichu Parisian shawl over the top, but you can still see peeking out below. Do you see just there? Um, the oh, zubun. Yes. She's still got the same umbrella by the looks of it. There are a lot of umbrellas in the photographs. It's very interesting. Um, but Cetinier is famous in Montenegro for having the highest rainfall in the country. It is like a famously wet place. And it's true that, do you remember when we were there and it absolutely poured? Always rains in Cetinier, yeah. yeah. And in Tunbridge Wells, interestingly. So there's that. <laughs> and you've actually got some of Cetinier's photographs here. Yeah, it was wonderful. I, I went to meet at the palace, the museum, with... Um, two of the women who have been instrumental in recording and preserving Xenia's photographs. And they actually got out the original photographs for me uh, with the negatives in their tiny little envelopes, a little bit like um, after eight mints, you know, that same creep kind of paper. And Anja Kapicic has produced this fabulous book called um, Montenegro in the Magic Eye of Princess Xenia. And uh, Tatiana Jovic has a book called European Fashion at the Montenegrin Court, which include Xenia's photographs. Um, and so that was a thrill to be able to see the pictures. And here they are. Uh, this one I like, uh, not because it's such a great um, image in itself. It's just a, a snap from what seems to have been a, a picnic. This is an Italian diplomat. But uh, what I like is that's the only selfie that we have of Xenia in that her huge uh, Tamashanta style hat um, is causing a shadow uh, from behind the camera and just peeks oh, that's out. <laughs> and then this this picture, which wasn't taken by her, but of her with her brother Danilo and his wife, who both also had cameras. And the three of them are striding out, looking like Ocean's Eleven. This is, I think, my favourite photo. Um, it's got another parasol in it. Um, and the parasol is covering the back of the head of the king, this figure standing, looking away from the camera, away from the viewer. So the parasol which covers the back of his head is almost kind of Magritte style as if it's superimposed on him. Um, and of course he's surveying his, his domain. But also I think what's, what's great about this picture is that only Xenia could have taken this. Close, close behind the king, isn't she? That's part of, of course, what brings the, the charm and the thrill to these pictures is the access that she had. They're, they're both, they are, I presume, relatively unprecedented as photos of Montenegro at that time, but there are also family snaps of a Balkan royal family. And there are pictures like this one that she took actually from her bedroom window in the palace, which I think has an almost Bruegel-esque feel to it. For a start, it shows how small the buildings look in these huge mountains. And then you have these little frock-coated black figures um, moving through the landscape. And those are the ministers. So that's a picture of the, the ministers coming out of, in fact, another thing her father established was the beginnings of a parliamentary democracy. And 
again, who else could have taken that picture? No one else would would have been able to get so close, let alone from the building uh, just next to where they've been meeting to and get so you the think image. That's the the room with the single bed and the typewriter, and she's picked up the camera <laughs> and leaned out the window and. This picture here of the fisherman that I mentioned, can you see how close she must have got? Gorgeous picture with these five figures bending over their nets. They're all stripped to the waist. These vivid, sinewy bodies and close-cut heads. And they're wearing kind of loose trousers, just baggy and, and tied to the waist, and all straining at the nets out of the water. And I think the, the sort of ripples, you've got the ripples in the water with that lovely net sitting just on top of the water. You've got the ripples and folds in their loincloths. And then you've got the rippling muscles. And then beyond that, the rippling landscape. I, I do think the, the textures in it are fabulous. As a photo, this is one of the most uh, beautiful in terms of composition and styling, isn't it? Much mm. less a snap. And then there's another picture I want to share, perhaps the last picture, um, which was not by Xenia, but this is of Xenia. And what's wonderful about it is that it shows her driving the king. She was the first woman in Montenegro to learn to drive. And I guess she needed to learn to drive in order to um, get out and take those photographs around the country. Um, and I, I just think that's it's a wonderful old car um, and it's a, a wonderful image of her literally taking the wheel, uh, showing her father where they'll go. It's a lovely picture of her situation in the family and her sense of identity and intrepidity, isn't it? She took on a kind of diplomatic role advising her father, uh, not always to his satisfaction, but she came very active, I think, in, in the, the European politics of the town and the attempts to maintain Montenegro's alliances and status. And I think she gets into trouble when she ties herself too closely to the anti-Austrian movement and gets banished to Paris until things quieten down again. And I think that's the importance of the typewriter that uh, is, is on the bedside table as well, because she was a kind of secretary to her father and advisor, as you say. Yeah. Xenia's name comes from the Greek, the word for hospitality or a guest. And I found that particularly interesting because of the experiences that we had when we were in Setinia. And I remember particularly vividly, um, since we're talking about coffee in the Accursed Mountains, the drinks I was served thanks to the Gazenia, the hospitality of the people of Setinia. On my way back from meeting at the museum and seeing these photographs, um, seeing the originals of them, when I inexplicably because it's a small town, we've established that, inexplicably got lost um, and couldn't find my Airbnb. The guy who was standing outside his house, of whom I asked directions, could see that I was very hot and bothered uh, and asked whether I wanted to come in and have a drink with him and his wife. Very convivial couple, uh, Josefina and Boyo. I, of course, was very British and protested that, no, I, I just needed to know where, where, which way to go. Um, but he insisted. And so I went in. They just kept bringing out new bits of food and drink, including just the most wonderfully refreshing blueberry juice, <laughs> which was exactly what I needed, some uh, Boronitsa juice. Um, and then after they'd refreshed me and I insisted that what I really needed was to know how to find the Airbnb, they said they would drive me there. On the way to the Airbnb, I explained that I was actually just picking up my suitcase because I was on my way back to Kosovo. So he insisted on waiting while I picked up my suitcase and then driving me to the bus station. 
truly uh, that was the story of the, the Xenia that I found. <laughs> you go looking for Xenia and you find Xenia. And does that mean that blueberry juice is our, our drink of the day? Yes, we've once again failed to have any coffee in the Accursed Mountains. Uh, but we've been in the Black Mountain and uh, we've had some great juice to drink. And that's how we end today, refreshed by blueberry juice and hospitality and on our way to the bus station. An extraordinary woman. Um, and she's one of the eight inspiring women of the Balkans that will be featured in the book that Rob and I are working on to come out later this year in the autumn of 2021. You can also learn more about Princess Xenia through one of Elizabeth's talks. And there's more details of those at elizabethgowing.com. Do subscribe and rate to our podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts.